When I got started in Christian apologetics, it was like back in 1984, when Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and other groups were approaching us at our doorstep and also in the parking lots of Massachusetts. So what I want to do is, because of the bad juju that's in the church and cultic teaching that is coming in through the various forms like the prosperity gospel and the new apostolic reformation, I want to start from the bare bones. I want to deal with how to recognize a cult. My name is Rob Lundberg, and you are listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. Welcome back to the Let's Get Real podcast. You might recognize that music if you go back as far as I do. That was uh, the opening music to a great series on cults by Carol Matriciana and Chuck Smith back in the day. It's called From the Pagan Invasions by Manassian and Druze. And we're going to be using that and giving credit uh, to where credit is due because I believe it is appropriate music for uh, this topic that we're going to be dealing with. Now, let me give you a little bit of a background. I've been involved in apologetics, oh, since 1983, 1984, and I started into the counter-cult movement. And then when I was in seminary, I got involved with uh, dealing with philosophical apologetics with that, with like Dr. Norman Geisler and others. So one thing, and, and the whole thing of it is, is that I came to the conclusion that the cults were around with the Gnostics and the Epicureans and the Stoics and all the ideologies that the early first century church had to deal with. I wanted to go and just basically write it off and say, you know, the cults will be here with us, you know, until Jesus comes back. But because of everything that's been going on and because the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is, is having their uh, bicentennial, their, their 250th anniversary, we'll get to, we're going to talk a lot about the Mormon Church later on. Because the Mormon Church has 11 million deceived people. And if you go to my website, you won't see it yet. But I will tell you that I am looking to revamp that website, and I am looking to put on a page that I had several years ago called Answering Mormonism, where I will have, you know, video testimonies of people who have come out. I will have video links to uh, people who struggle with getting out. And I'll even have a link to where if you are a member of the LDS Church and you're disgruntled because of maybe what you hear in this podcast or you hear from other podcasts on the same type of stuff or you read on blogs, I want to let you know that if you are a member of the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, or the New Age, we're going to be dealing with what you believe. Now, what, not what you believe personally, but what the movements teach. I've been a professor of comparative religions for as long as I've been doing apologetics. 
and I will be writing a course on introduction to cults and new religious movements. So basically what you're going to be getting, I should say, you're going to be getting uh, a taste of what I would be teaching in the classes. So, but you're going to get it on a layperson level. And what I want to do is basically share with you during this episode, I want to deal, want to deal with the whole idea of, you know, Rob, how do I recognize a cult? You know, don't they use the same terminologies as Christians do? You know, like grace, faith, salvation, God, Holy Spirit, Bible. You know, um, what do the cults teach? How can I recognize a cult? And I want to let you know, as a caveat, if you think that I'm leaving the Christian church out of this as far as cultic teaching, you're going to be gravely disappointed. Because there's a lot of cultic teaching that's also in the Christian church, particularly with reference to the new spirituality. Now, I'll also be dealing with things, new religious movements, in, under the category of new religious movements, things like contemplative prayer or centering prayer, which are new age ideologies. I'll even deal with, and hopefully on my YouTube channel, I'll have a whole thing on, should a Christian participate in yoga? That's right. If you're listening to this and you love our ministry, or if you're a friend of mine, I want to let you know that I have many friends in India that are Christian apologists who tell me that those of us in the West who are participating in yoga are participating in a dangerous practice because of its Hindu roots. So what I want to do, just I, all this as a preamble to what I want to get into, how do I recognize a cult? Well, you know, there's a way that has been around for a long time. My friends at Watchman Fellowship and uh, also uh, other folks have gone and adopted this. And I've written on this subject. I've had, I think I still have it on my blog. But they use what are called the mathematical operations. Now, before I get to that, you know, there's about five different definitions in Webster's Dictionary about what a cult is. And the basic group, uh, that the word, the basic phrase that centers or the basic word that centers around the word cult is a group of people. Now, you could talk about it from a perspective of a religious movement, you know, a cultic group. You could talk about it like a political group or a cult following of a... Uh, a musician. You could talk about cults in all different angles, but what we're talking about is as it relates to the context of religion. And what I want to define it as is I want to take a classic definition out of my, one of my mentors, Dr. the late Dr. Walter Martin, and deal with it from this path. Perspective. And in his book, his book, The Rise of Cults, on page 12, he says this, A cult is a group of people polarized around someone's interpretation of the Bible and is characterized 
by major deviations from Orthodox Christianity. I'll explain that word Orthodox in just a second. It's characterized by major deviations from Orthodox Christianity relevant, relative to the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith, particularly the fact that God became man in Jesus Christ, end quote. That is from The Rise of Cults, Dr. Walter Martin, page 12. Now, when I talk about Orthodox Christianity, I'm not talking about the mainline denomination that sprung off of Roman Catholicism under the Great Schism. I am talking about Orthodox teaching about the deity of Jesus Christ, the nature of God, the essence and nature of the Bible, the essence and nature of the virgin birth, the, the Trinity, salvation by grace alone through faith alone and not by works alone and I'll get to that in just a moment when we go through the operations and also whether or not a group separates itself from family or culture or government or whatever okay folks cults are dangerous in that context cults are dangerous in the fact of the Christian church where you have cultic teaching and you have all kinds of problems with reference to the truth of the Christian faith. Now, there is a passage of scripture I want to throw down here found in 2 Corinthians 11 where the Apostle Paul addresses this, you know, because there's another gospel that's out there. And I'm not sure how long this podcast is going to go, but we're going to go as long as the Holy Spirit tells us to. Now, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says in verse 3, he says, But I am afraid as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind should be led astray from the, the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Now listen to this, or if you have your Bible, you're in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 3 and following. I'm in verse 4. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom you have, we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear with us beautifully. And he goes on later to say, talking about false apostles, he talks about this from going in the same chapter from verse 12. He says, but what I am doing, I will continue to do so that I may be cut off, so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire, desire an opportunity to be regarded just, talking about the false apostles, just as we are in the matter about what they, which they are boasting. Why does he say this? He says in verse 13, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of life. Therefore, uh, an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Now, I'll get back to some more scripture later, but 
when you deal with the cults and how do you recognize a cult, we defined a cult for you. Now what I want to do is I want to deal with the perspective of how do we determine their marks. And then what I'll do is I'll lay them out. Every one of us are familiar with the mathematical operations of a cult. You know, actually, let me backtrack a little bit and say, every one of us are familiar with the mathematical operations in math. Well, you can use those mathematical operations to use as a way or as a tool to distinguish orthodox biblical Christianity and a cult. You have addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. So how do these mathematical operations pertain to recognizing a cult? And what I want to do is I want to go from that perspective. Now, when we talk about addition, addition, we have to answer a question with each of these, by the way. Does the religious group under consideration add to the word of God through indispensable publications that claim to give the Bible's clear meaning or through present day direct revelation from God. Now we could think of a lot of things on that, but hold that thought for the moment. The second one is subtraction. Does the examined group subtract from the person of Jesus Christ by making him less of a God or less God than his father or by elevating man to one day become a god or like him. Multiplication. Does the group under consideration multiply the requirements for salvation by making works a necessary condition for salvation or redemption? And then division. Does the religious group in question divide the loyalty of its members between God and itself and its leaders. Also, does this group make devotion to the organization a test of faith and consider adherence to itself the vehicle of salvation for its followers? So there you have it. Now, this may be a two-part, maybe a two-part show, but um, nevertheless, what I want to do is I want to deal with as many as I can and we're gonna we're gonna go half an hour so if I don't finish it we'll continue it next week and we'll go into a little bit deeper okay so with regards to addition the you know as Christians we regard the Bible as the sole final authority for God's revelation to mankind and its meaning is pretty clear. And what I mean by that is the fact that if you can go and read John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10.13 If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, Romans 10.9, you will be saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 6.23. 
But God demonstrated his own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You get the gist. The Bible is pretty clear. So when you deal with the fact that the Bible is clear, pretty clear, most of cults today will regard the Bible as the word of God or as a word of God. A major pattern in these groups is their addition to the word of God. Now, with regards to subtracting from the person of Christ, the hallmark of the Christian faith is the person of Jesus Christ, that he came, he was born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life, he taught the kingdom of God, he did miracles, he lived a sinless life, he, his life was prophesied and he fulfilled prophecies and also he rose from the dead. Now, many cults reject some or all of what I just shared with you about Jesus. And of course, you have progressive Christianity, which is a springboard off of uh, Christianity. It's not Christian at all in the fact that you have people going and saying that Jesus Christ's life and his crucifixion was nothing more than cosmic child abuse, which is a heresy. So when you deal with the subtraction of the person of Jesus Christ, it's what you think of Jesus Christ. And now, if you're going and saying that, well, you know, hey, you're a Calvinist or an Arminian or a Southern Baptist or Calvary Chapel or whatever, I don't care what you are. Let's stop looking down our bony noses and pointing our bony fingers at who was right and who was wrong, and let's deal with the real Jesus because pastors, you have lost people that are professing Christians in your churches that don't know the real Jesus, the Jesus that is revealed and disclosed of in Scripture. And the problem is you're not preaching a message that is biblical to where you are going and defending who Jesus is. Instead, you're going giving some sugar-coated jelly bean of who Jesus is and all of that. The cults are prey upon those kinds of church members. Mormons, Mormons brag that they baptize a Baptist church every, every month because of the fact that they got people falling out of churches into these cults. Now, if you don't think I'm not upset, get ready. Let's get to multiplication, it'll get even worse. Because when we talk about multiplication for the requirements of salvation, for the Christian faith, God's grace is the vehicle of salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace that has been given to you by God. Faith that has been given to you by God. You know, because you didn't have the faith of a plug nickel what before God saved you, if you think about it, because your faith was not a saving faith. God gives saving faith. But Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not of yourself, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay? And then you have the whole verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the work that God has foreordained us to do. So it's by faith, salvation plus works is the formula. We'll talk about that a little bit more. You know, 
when you deal with the cults, they say that they say that you know you have to do certain things. Abstain from this. The Mormons say abstain from caffeine, cigarettes, and all these other vices. Jehovah's Witnesses say that they abstain from anything that attacks their religion, that attack, attacks their cultic teachings. So the the system of the cults and non and major non-Christian groups can be better understood as faith plus works equals salvation. That is not biblical. That is not biblical faith. That is not biblical salvation. Biblical salvation is faith equals or begets salvation plus works. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. So, when we deal with these cults, when we deal with dividing the loyalties of them, you know, when we talk about dividing the loyalties as far as the, the fourth mathematical operation, a Christian's allegiance is to be directed to none other than Jesus Christ as Lord. The Apostle Paul tells us that you and I were bought with a price. We are not slaves to men in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23. So those who are followers in cults will be repeatedly required to divide their loyalty between their church and its leaders and God. Now there are some additional patterns that are out there. We have the fact, and remember just by way of review, we have addition of sources alone uh, and that it's not the Bible, but it's additional sources to make the Bible more clear. And we've talked about the clarity of the Bible. We talked about who Jesus is, and the cults actually subtract from the person of Jesus as far as what he, his life and who he is and who he came, what he came to do. And then multiplying the requirements of salvation, we talked about the dividing of loyalties in these last two points. But there are other facets to cults. There are other patterns, if you will. For example, uh, speculation and date setting on the return of Jesus. Obscure biblical attentions. You get a lot of that in the New Apostolic Reformation. Financial exploitation. You get that in the prosperity gospel. Denial of eternal punishment. You get that in the emergent church and progressive Christianity and universalism and, and the cults. You see how Satan is actually rearing his ugly head in the church and in the religious culture or the religious setting of our day today. Fostering paranoia. Um, and then also doctrinal shifts and changes. Give you an example of this. In the late 90s, the Worldwide Church of God had a splintering off of a group by the name uh, that was led by Joseph Tkach. That the Worldwide Church of God denies the Orthodox view of the Trinity. Okay, and so this this tomorrow's world that you see on social media is not historical Christianity. 
This, the tomorrow's world looks and smells like Christianity, but if you get below the surface in their churches, you get a snoop full of sulfur because they deny the historical doctrine of the Trinity. I'm talking about a group that splintered off in the, in the, late, in the late 90s that actually, mid to late 90s, that actually believed and splintered off, and they went, they're now under a new name. I don't know it right yet, but um, nevertheless, they are embracing the historical doctrine of the Trinity. It's no longer Anglo-Israelism in that particular splitting group. So that's a doctrinal shift. Spiritualistic practices, and this is where you have problems in the Christian church with people uh, getting involved in centering prayer and, and contemplative prayer and that's Buddhistic teaching. That's New Age spirituality. You've got other New Age spiritualities and New Age thinking in Christian churches today that is not biblical. And then lastly, certain uncertain or ambiguous hope of salvation. You know, the Apostle John, and let me see if I can go there. You know, some people will go and say, you know, I can't know if I have salvation. Let me say this that if you profess Jesus Christ as your only means of salvation, for it says in John 1.12, for as many that have received him, to them he gave the right or the power or the authority. This Greek word there is exousia, which means all three of those things. To become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. But what I want to do is I want to finish up with a passage so that you can have surety on knowing that if God has saved you, you can know for certain that you are truly redeemed. And John, the apostle, who was the same brother, who was the same brother who was, uh, who has wrote the gospel, he was the beloved disciple, he's an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus, he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos as surviving being boiled in oil, this same John said this, these things I have written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. It doesn't say that you hope you have eternal life, but that you may know that you have eternal life. If you have any questions about what you have heard on this episode, I'm going to go a little deeper next week on these mathematical operations and give you some examples on how some of these cult groups actually violate Orthodox Christianity, and we're going to apply the mathematical operations. But if you run into a Jehovah's Witness, or if you see something on Christian television that you hear, or if you hear something on Christian radio that you hear, or you hear something that the Christian music industry is, is, is singing that is not biblical, your baloney detector should be going off a mile a minute. That is cultic teaching in the church. So if you do hear that, be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. I, one thing I didn't do, if you hear something that is that you... Uh, have a question on, please let us know. And we would love to be able to answer that question. You can email me at roblundberg315 at gmail.com. 
Look for another show next week, Lord willing. And as you go out this week, go out and give them heaven. We'll be back with you next week. Lord bless.